0: So Money, Episode 689, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host, financial planner, April Pope.
1: You're listening to So Money
0: with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. You're listening to So Money Everyone. Welcome back to the show. Happy Friday. We have a special guest with us today, a guest and a co-host, April Pope of April Pope Financial. I can't wait for you to learn about her. I adore this woman. She is on a mission to help all of us live a life that is debt free and financially empowered. She comes to financial planning uh, from the world of teaching and the world of service. April, welcome to the show. Hi, Varunesh. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. You're living in Cincinnati. Is it as cold as as it is there as it is here in the Midwest? Uh,
1: yes, yes. it is. It's okay, freezing. <laughs> it's full of snow and deer running around literally in my front yard. <laughs> it's freezing.
0: Um, I bought a new winter coat uh, last month, and I'm so glad that It came literally like the week before everything went to uh, the week before hell froze over, basically. Um. <laughs> Uh, And I've been seeing it. We, there's a joke kind of like going around that everybody, everybody's wearing a Canada Goose jacket. I don't know if this is a thing in Cincinnati, but in New York, it's like, it's like your uniform. I didn't get one. So I'm kind of uh, an outlier, but it's hilarious. And if it's no coincidence that the stock, Canada Goose stock has skyrocketed in the last (laughs) 60 days. Um, Oh, I bet. There's a line outside the door. (laughs) They have a genius. I mean, I'm totally going on a tangent here, but I just thought it was an interesting anecdote uh, given that, uh, you know, we're all so interested in in finance. But anyway, sorry that it's so cold for you, but um, so glad you have decided to join me on the show. Tell me about your financial services boutique company firm.
1: Okay, so yeah, as you mentioned, I do work with families and small businesses, and I love the foundation of getting out of debt and staying out of debt um, That's kind of how I came into it, mm-hmm. and putting myself through this, my husband and I went you know went through and went through and got out of debt and did all of that, and that was my passion that kind of drove me into this industry. And so I do everything as far as the financial planning and debt and budgeting and investing and all of that. Um, But I really try to focus on, you know, rescuing your money, like get your money back, Mm -hmm. (laughs) get your income back. Like, let's not spend it all on bills and debt. Like, let's use that money so we can live a better life. Live a life. Yeah. Yep.
0: Not just live a life, but have a lifestyle even. Yeah. So I, I... Briefly, what was your d- debt journey? I know that you have uh, multiple degrees, so maybe there was there were some student loans involved, that you worked um, as a volunteer, so maybe income was uh, not robust in the beginning of your career. But how did you guys accumulate debt and how did you get out of it?
1: Great question. Yes, we were the typical average family. We had student loans from grad school and undergrad, both my husband and I. Um, and right after I had moved back to Cincinnati, we had two kids and I stayed at home and we had everything. It looked like everything was fine because we had our degrees, you know, we're working, but student loans, car payment, uh, the credit cards from starting from college when they get you, when you walk in, sign up for, you know, credit card and get a free pizza. So we did all of those. And (laughs) when I wrote it all down, it, it, I remember staying at home, mom, I was sitting there, I wrote it all down, circled the number and literally almost passed out. Like Mm -hmm. it. I started like shaking. I mean, even to this day, like it kind of makes me nervous because I was like, Oh my gosh, what if something happens to us? Like if, if I don't, if my husband doesn't have his job or something, we can't pay all this. Like we could afford it now. So that's when we buckled down and I went crazy because I was sitting at home all day with the kids. And I just was like, we're selling everything. And fast forward. I mean, it took us four years, but we paid off $250,000 $250,000 in debt. Wow! And went after it. And it was just so freeing afterwards to be able to, that's how I was able to leave the workforce and start my own business and really get out of that debt. So I knew how great that felt and I had to help other people get there. What I'm hearing is that you didn't just save, but you found ways to make
0: money. Even as you as a stay-at-home parent, that's that's yes. very resourceful. I'm, I'm happy yeah. that you shared that because I think that's something that we sometimes forget we can do.
1: Oh, yeah. Tutoring, um, small things. We sold stuff. We had yard sales. I was at the <laughs> consignment. I mean, if if it was possible, we did it.
0: <laughs> and how much of your income, of your husband's income, were you saving at the time?
1: So we were just saving. We had our emergency fund. We had a small emergency fund and whatever we needed to get the match for our employer. And that was it. Hmm. So we were you he's we're teachers. So I mean, we're in the Catholic schools here. <laughs> like we're not making a lot of you're money not rolling in the dough. Uh, nope. So most of it, we had a little emergency fund. So we just didn't have to use credit cards if anything happened. And the rest of it, we attacked, we attacked our debt with the rest of it. And then my little side jobs and adjunct teaching and stuff like that at the university, I did whatever I could do to bring in money those four years. And now you're
0: Your circumstances have changed. You've started your own practice, aprilpopefinancial.com, and April's with a Y, in case anyone wants to check that out. Um, So I assume the life of an entrepreneur is much more fulfilling, flexible, lucrative, am I correct?
1: Yeah. Especially the time. That's really what it is. The time I have, like you, I have two little ones at home. Mine are a little older. They're six and eight, but you know, does it I get making... any easier. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. it does. It does. And I promise you two is so much easier than one in like three years or so. It's going to be phenomenal. Wait, two two like, kids together. is easier than one. Yes. 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 I swear. <laughs> I think you'll see. I know right now because your little one, I think you have a little one. Ten months one. and yeah. three and a half. Okay. I remember. Mine are two years apart. Yeah. So literally I had that situation. I know it. But it's like right now SpaghettiOs on the ceiling for like another year. It's going to be crazy. But then <laughs> they play together. They entertain each other. They go off by themselves. and Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <gasps> that, oh, coming, I, look <laughs> I look forward to that. I look forward to that.
0: Mommy can get some
1: sleep. Exactly. It's coming.
0: (laughs) Let's help our listeners, shall we, April? Absolutely. The first question is from Alexandria, and she is interested in saving a million dollars by retirement. She says, what type of savings account should I use if this is going to take me 10 to 15 years. I'm actually wondering if maybe she should give herself some more time. I don't know if you can save a million dollars in 10 to 15 years. I mean, certainly people have, but you have to be bringing in a lot of money to be able to do that easily.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's and depending on where Alexander, where she is right now, like how much does she have saved? What is she thinking to put aside? And yeah. just that idea of a million dollars, you know, it is great. That's a great round number. And, you know, yes, I want to retire with a million dollars. But also think about like, how long is that going to last? <laughs> like right. you guys are in New York, right? Like you can have <laughs> a minute. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you have a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle, like great, you've retired for 10 years. You know, like what? <laughs> A million dollars really do. And I think it is a good number and it might be enough, but really thinking about, I like to help people think about retirement, kind of like a business. You're mm-hmm. starting a new business if you're going to retirement. So, you know, you got to manage those inflows and outflows. So you can see does a million dollars really work for you. And yeah, what do you think?
0: I agree. I wish that we had had more information. Alexandria, if you wanted to follow up with me and give me some more facts as far as how much you have saved, like April talked about, um, what you make, what, you're currently, what your current savings rate is, when you plan to retire, what you plan to do in retirement, do you plan to bring in some money? Uh, so that will help us to give us give you more specific advice but i think the things that you want to think about and specifically she asks what type of savings account should i be using i mean i don't really think of retirement as yes you're saving but you're what what you're do, really doing with your money is you're investing it because you want to be able to g- uh, take advantage of compound interest and with someone who has a 10 to 15 year time horizon timeline you can afford a little bit more risk than just Dumping it in, you know, a 0% interest bank account. So uh, I wouldn't take on too much risk if you're planning to retire in 15 years. That's not a ton of time, but certainly, you know, following the market and in some broad index funds, maybe reducing your stock exposure to no more than, say, 50%, maybe on uh, dialing up the bond exposure as you near retirement, that might be a better plan for you and uh, get you some more bang for your buck. And so where you can open up some of these accounts, I mean, if you have a workplace 401k, that's a place to start, or something like that, an employer-sponsored retirement account. There are also individual retirement accounts that can get you that kind of diversity and risk management. Then there are also, robo advisors. We've talked about them ad nauseum on this show, and there's so many now. Mm-hmm. There's Wealthfront, Betterment, Elevest. Um, you know, there's Specify from Citizens. There's the Charles Schwab investment platform. So look around, explore about, it, explore it online, see what you feel comfortable with. But I would invest this money wisely. Maybe work with a financial advisor in tandem to help you. you know create that structure, that foundation. Um, But more importantly, really start thinking about what your life is going to be in retirement, what you envision, how will it look like, where will you be living, what will you be doing? All of that is going to matter and determine whether a million dollars is more than enough or not enough. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if just thinking numbers for a new saying that, I mean, those that's exactly the right thing. Those are great ideas. If they had just an example, let's just throw out there, she has 100000 already, right? I mean, you can do these on any of the investment calculators and put out hypotheticals. But if she had $100,000 and wanted to grow that in 15 years to a million dollars, you know, she's going to need to be putting away $1,500 a month and getting a 10% return average over those 15 mm-hmm. years. So that's – we're not getting that at the bank. The 10%
0: return (laughs) part is worrying. I mean I don't know who – I don't know if you can get that consistently or even on average for just 15, years. For 15 years. years. Exactly.
1: So that shows you that's what you would have to do. And so that's going to be tricky. So it's either going to be – hopefully you're starting with a little more or you're going to have to put away a little more each month.
0: Yeah. So you're retiring later in life. Mm -hmm. You're not going to – Call call it quits at 15 years, you might want to extend that to 20, maybe uh, go part-time and so you're not completely phased out. All right. Thank you, April. And thank you, Alexandria. Please send us some more information. We'd be happy to tackle this even further for you. Hamid says that he is... Uh, contemplating between buying a home and continuing to rent. He and his wife have jobs in different states. He's in Oregon. She's in Mississippi. It's quite the trek, Mm. quite the long-term, long-distance relationship. He says, in the long run, our plan is to move to Mississippi where my wife works um, because her contract at work lasts a little bit longer than his does. Hers lasts until 2020. His contract in Oregon lasts until 2019. So, it sounds like maybe they work for the government or they're, in con- they're contractors. They're, I don't know. But there is a time limit. And so the idea is to move to Mississippi in the long run, go there, buy a home, either this year or next year. He says, we currently rent our apartments in both states. So hopefully we're all getting a visual image of this. It's a bit of a lot of detail here. <laughs> he said, would it be a good idea for me to buy a house in Oregon now? And rent it out until 2019 once I moved to join my wife. Oh. I think not. <laughs> I think not. I think he, he gave us a little bit more background. He says we're okay. both – oh, actually, here we go. We're, they're doctors. They're both doctors. They're physicians. They're both in their late 20s. They have no student loans. He says the area in Oregon where he lives, in Salem, is really growing. Uh, the vacancy rate is – currently around 1%, less than the national average. He says, we don't need the extra income, but I want to exp- expand my investment portfolio and hopefully get into some real estate investment. So he's kind of asking me two different questions here, right? One is like, should I invest in real estate as an investment, as a way mm-hmm. to maybe earn more in my portfolio? The other question is, do we um, do we continue to rent or do I, or do you know, what do you think of the plan in general? I think is like, you know, we want to move to Mississippi, buy this house then. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fine plan if you want to work your way towards fully full time being in Mississippi, buying a home in Mississippi. I mean, I bought a home, I bought homes now three times, and every time it's it takes time, right? It takes planning, it takes mm-hmm. having that goal and saving up for it, and it's a big enough goal in and of itself to kind of consume you for the time being. If you wanted to add to that uh, another property in the meantime that you're going to be renting out as an investor as a landlord, I mean, for me that would be just too much to handle. And I would want to make sure that all that all the money that I need for that home in Mississippi is protected, is safe, is 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 growing and so if if in any way this investment home in oregon in the meantime would disrupt that that's where i get a little uneasy but maybe i'm just not as risk tolerant as other people what do you think april
1: Um, yeah, I agree. And the idea that they're leaving. So it sounds like he was thinking about buying where he is and then leaving and going to Mississippi. So maybe even flip this, like maybe buy a rental property in Mississippi. Mississippi, Right, right. And I've done the same thing. I mean, we've bought homes and I've had, I have rental property out of state that we had and in state. And I tell you what, as a landlord and having rental property, Having something I can drive by and see is <laughs> invaluable. Like I mm-hmm. love being able to go touch it and knowing that he's gonna ready to move out of that state. Yes, it might be a good investment, but you can't drive by. You don't know if people are actually cutting the lot. You don't know what's yeah. happening with that. So it's a lot more risky and harder to manage out of state another property. I mean, it's doable, but I agree that is a little risky. And if their ultimate goal is to move to Mississippi. Then, hey, maybe do the opposite plan buy something there and then decide to move there or not and rent it out there when he gets, when they do finally get there.
0: Again, I don't know the financials entirely. I don't know what the cost of living is in Mississippi versus Oregon. I have a feeling maybe Oregon is on the higher end, uh, especially since, you know, he's talking about tons of people living there. The vacancy rate is only around 1%. And so I wonder if, um, He could afford it, you know. That if you've got some money set aside for something like this, something, some sort of alternative investment, you want to maybe. Be a little riskier with a portion of your savings and, mm-hmm. and you are comfortable with being a landlord. And as April mentioned, leaving the state and still having this property to manage. And you can obviously hire people to do that for you, but you right. have to also make sure that the cash flow makes sense at that point. You know, are mm-hmm. you profiting monthly after you have paid the mortgage and the taxes and the management fees and et cetera, et cetera? Are you making enough rental income in order for this to really uh, financially viable for you. So all of these things have me to think about, but I I like where your head's at. You know, I like to hear from people that they're trying to, you know, uh, leverage their money, do more with their money and, uh, you know, flex that risk muscle smartly. You know, you sounds like you're taking hopefully a calculated risk here and good luck. I hope that you and your wife reunite sooner than later. It's hard. I can't imagine being so far away from your partner and, uh, And I know you're both working hard as physicians, so your hard work will will hopefully pay off. Next question is from Jessica April. Do you want to read it off for us?
1: Sure. So Jessica says, I have some available cash that I want to invest above and beyond my retirement funds. My father is nearing retirement and suggested I purchase a townhouse or condo that he would then rent from me for the next several years. Since this will be my first home, would this be considered a good investment? If not, what other ways could I invest my money to build wealth? Another question about... Yeah,
0: wealth. real estate, so, yes. Real estate. I, I mean, well, the, the pro here is that she's got a guaranteed renter. Yeah, I know. So,
1: a dependable one, too, a hopefully. dependable, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. You know, I don't
0: know. Sometimes parents can be just as terrible as strangers when it comes to uh, making financial promises. But I... I think, Jessica, that if you have the cash that you, again, well, like we talked about with Hamid, you have the the risk tolerance for being a landlord. Once your father no longer wants to rent this home from you, what happens then? And that's something to hopefully um, – Think of, you can think about and be optimistic about that maybe you could easily rent it again, or at that point maybe you'd want to live there and and benefit from the home as as a homeowner and as a resident. I think that if it's not going to compromise your retirement, it's not going to compromise your rainy day fund. You have this cash to put towards the down payment and the maintenance of this home. You've got a ready renter. It's dad. You know, uh, hey, it sounds like you've got a lot of positive going for you in this case and I'm not going to tell you you should or shouldn't but i'm I'm liking the idea
1: yeah I think it is it is a good idea and definitely down the right road like you were saying and just some, not knowing the details of if they live in the same state or they're near each other but just an idea too of maybe a multi unit, maybe one of the, I don't know, the duplexes. I live out here in Ohio and we can get four families, three families, two families for great deals. And if you buy it as your first home, it's still your personal residence if she was going to live there. So maybe she lives on one side, dad lives on the other. You know, she's basically living rent free or mortgage free. Exactly. Uh, right.
0: Oh, even better. Yeah. If you can find a property where you can benefit from living there as a resident while renting it out mm-hmm. to a relative like your father or somebody else. Airbnb down the road maybe you don't need a, yeah. a full-time you know a neighbor or or a tenant maybe you could just benefit from a sometimes tenant through mm-hmm. these sites like Airbnb and Home Whatever they're called,
1: like BRBO. yeah, VRBO, right, yeah. right. Yep. So,
0: yeah, I think maybe, and then you know, do the math, make sure that that you're going to be cash flow positive every month. That's uh, usually a good litmus test for whether a <laughs> a rental property is worth it. But, Jessica, I like again how you're thinking, and I hope that you and your dad can make this work. All right, mm-hmm. Chris is emailing me, and he is a fellow Penn Stater. Where did you go to school,
1: April? I went to. Wittenberg University here in Springfield, Ohio, for undergrad, and then George Washington in DC for grad nice. school. Nice. How did you like DC? Oh, I loved it. I miss it. I miss it. I we would have not moved back to Ohio if it wouldn't have been for these kids. No, we needed we needed family and grandparents and stuff to help. But my husband and I, we love living in DC. Oh, um, it, it was just it was phenomenal. It's so I, diverse and food mm-hmm. and culture. Yeah, I miss it. Mm,
0: I hear that though about wanting to be near family and. Oh, yeah. Having some I, extra space probably out there in Ohio, space too. babysitters. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, he says that he's working on a personal budget. He just downloaded Mint, which uh, I write for. I write for their blog. Mint's obviously this great free budgeting app. He says, can you help me determine how I should go about setting up my budget? It sounds like he's looking for some rules of thumb, parameters, best advice, and I've written about this extensively, Chris. I, I talk about this in my course as well, Master Your Money, which you can buy at investopedia.com. Yeah. Shameless plug. <laughs> I um, know.
1: It looks like it's awesome. It's, it's really, fun. Fun. I, it I'm really How's proud it of it.
0: It's going well. It's going well. I'm really proud of it. Something that I've always wanted to create. But, you know, with anyone out there who has done a course or has taken a course, you might know that, you know, it's not it's not so easy it's a lot of t- it's a lot of infrastructure there's not just the teaching but there's the marketing the sales the production oh it's like a whole orchestration so i my little business of one didn't really have like bandwidth to do it solo so i had uh the opportunity to partner with investopedia who's well versed in the course world they produce m- wonderful courses they have a library of all sorts of finance-related courses. And they hadn't yet done something about personal finance. So we paired up and made some magic. And the course is $99. It's called Master no, Your it's Money. so affordable. Like, so why affordable. Not? Yeah. Why we, not? <laughs> I wanted it to be really uh, you know, m- affordable because like, a money course, you don't want to like Going. exactly.
1: But you <laughs> see some of those Time that are like people are like, you know, let me help you get out of debt. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I it'll be three thousand dollars to do your course. Like, so what? I'll just not do it. Yes. No, I I just am so excited that it did come like it's together. And I remember you talking about this because I've been following you and listening to your podcast forever. And I remember it being a dream in your head, and you'd be yeah. talking, you're like, one day I'm gonna do a course and I don't know how it's gonna go. And like it's here. Like it's, it's, here. Here. it's here. Just and dreams I'm come so true. You. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you and can then, get off with the code Farnoosh20. Just go to uh, academy.investopedia.com, academy.investopedia.com, and you can just search for either my name or Master Your Money. It's also probably on the homepage. It's somewhere. I wish there was an easy landing page to direct people to, but... um, that hopefully yeah, will get sign you up there. Your
1: newsletter they'll see it because I saw it, it came yeah, that's list. true, and also <laughs> there's a great you, link in
0: there. there's a link in the newsletter. If also you go to somoneycourse.com dot com and sign up, I'll send you the link directly there along with the coupon code, so you don't have to go digging around so somoneycourse.com dot com if that's easier to remember. but Chris, I talk about budgeting in that course, and I'll give you some pointers. I think that I'll just give you kind of like the the pie here, right? So, like, no more than an April chime in if you disagree or you're like, what? Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the financial textbooks typically recommend spending no more than a third of your paycheck on housing. And that's like the limit. You know, if you live in a big city like New York, you might be, you know, uh, raising your eyebrows at me, but it's so here maybe you want to you can spend a little bit more but then you have to cut back on other aspects of your budget but 30 to 33% is kind of where we recommend not overspending that's the threshold and if you can include things like your taxes, your home insurance if you're an owner, your renter's insurance into that percentage I think even better if you you want to save at least 10% for uh, your retirement, 10 to 15%, either through a 401k or uh, a vehicle like an IRA. Another 10% into a rainy day account until you have about six to nine months saved. And then you can take that 10% and put it someplace else. Food, 10%. I mean, there's a, there's a, all these different variables. But I think the biggest thing you want to be paying very close attention to is housing and probably food. Because that's the one, you know, food can be very, you can live on, uh, you could spend a lot of money. You could spend very little money. And at the out, at the end of the day, you know, you'll probably still get some delicious, delicious uh, meals. It's just about being creative sometimes and looking for other pl- alternative places to shop.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Food is the biggest budget buster. I deal with budgets <laughs> day in and day out with my clients. And that is the biggest budget buster because we feel like it's not like we're splurging. We're just at the grocery store. (laughs) You know, it's like, it doesn't feel like you're buying, you know, shoes or a bag or something like. And you got to eat. Yeah. But do you have to spend $1,500 a month? Maybe not, No, <laughs> but it is, it really does get out of control on something like mint.com where you can kind of, when your stuff is in there and your, all your accounts are linked, you can really track that. And I think you're exactly right. Having those percentages is a great way to start. And then really just spending your money on paper, like seeing where it goes. You don't have to maybe do the budget every single month, but having a written budget so that you can see, okay, I bring in this much, here's my, you know, income versus outgo if you think of it that way. And also automating things, making sure. I know at uh, FinCon, just listening to David Bach, and I just love David Bach, but you know, the automatic millionaire, but he's really into like automate, 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 make sure you're saving. So like Varnoosh was saying, your rainy day, your your retirement, make that automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing I read, you might've seen this, Varnoosh, there's this thing been going around about annual budgets. And I've been reading some blog posts on it and it kind of makes sense. It was talking about, we try to budget monthly, but things pop up. We don't remember, but if you do an annual budget and just think like, wait, this is what I bring in. This is, you know, take out taxes. This is my take home for the whole year. You know what it is. Like if you have a stable, you know, job and you know what you're bringing in and take out all those fixed expenses and then you're left with a pot of money for the year. So maybe you have $12,000 left. Well, heck, divide that by 12, you have a thousand dollars and you better fit that into entertainment and food Mm -hmm. and whatever to kind of because if you do the annual, you remember your holidays, your birthdays, your vacation, everything, your your donations, all that. Mm -hmm. You remember that all the time. I need 10 percent off 10, you know, 10 percent off the top for donations. Mm -hmm. So if you take that all out there's. I mean, the numbers don't lie.
0: What's left is what's left. The numbers don't lie. And you know that very well, April, as you and your husband looked at the numbers and went, okay, here's what we got to do. Things got to change. So Chris, good luck. And I actually, he asks this because uh, at Mint, I believe they want you to set percentages for yourself as sort of like benchmarks, and then they will do the good work of- nudging you if you are over exceeding, you know, the the budget for whatever, for food or for transportation that month. They'll say, hey, you know, you've already reached 50% of your budget and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> it's only the second of the month. <laughs> exactly. FYI. <laughs> Thanks, Mint. And so I, I see where he it might be a little lost. But, you know, Chris, uh, hopefully that was helpful. If you need more, I encourage you to check out my course and everybody else. Varnish20 is the code Investopedia.com in uh, Academy.investopedia.com is where you can find it called Master Your Money. All right. Lastly, Suge Lee writes in and wants to learn more about how I wrote a book. Uh, as people may know, I got my first book deal at the age of, I believe it was 26. This was only after I'd spent many years writing as a freelance writer, talking about personal finance, working in the world of business news and finance, that I was able to leverage that into a book deal. So he says, do you have any guidance on how to publish a book? I've been wanting to write a book for years, but I just don't know where to begin to publish. So... This is very timely as well, Suzy and anyone else listening because right now I'm currently, I'm, I'm coming doing a soft launch. I'm not really blasting this to the universe right now, though you might be seeing my Facebook ads. I'm doing a little bit of a Facebook ad campaign around this, but I'm, Opening up my workshop again for people who are interested in writing books in May. I've been doing this now for two years. The demand has been growing. So this year I'll be having two live workshops in New York. It's called Book to Brand. It's a side hustle that I've started teaching hey. people the process, like Sue usually asks, how to go about publishing a book And then perhaps if you're interested, learning how to leverage the book's success once you've gotten a lot of press and notoriety for it into things like brand partnerships and influencer deals and television shows and television segments and speaking opportunities and all that good stuff that lies on the other side of publishing a book that I have experienced, that I've seen others experience. And so this workshop, it's two days in New York. If you're interested, go to booktobrand.co, booktobrand.co you can learn more about it there and uh register for a time for us to chat but to answer your question quickly without giving too much away i would say the first thing you want to do hugely is if you I and mean, anybody who wants to be an author think less about what it's going to take to publish this book focus more on the idea of the book because i cannot emphasize that enough i can sit here and tell you you know who the big publishers are, who the big literary agents are and their emails. But you need to have a really strong idea, an idea that isn't so much like no one's ever heard of it because at this point there are no new ideas, but an interesting point of view, something that is maybe counterintuitive to what we've been hearing about a certain topic, Um, a particular personal journey that is just so heart-wrenching, compelling, interesting, fascinating, that maybe you've already... Ev- you've evidenced that you are somebody who has influence in the world that you want to introduce this book to. So, if you're a health coach, and you know, you, showing that you have a following, showing that you have people who trust you, who believe you, who hire you, all of that is really important in shaping the kind of the book plan, the book proposal. And that's the other thing. You want to make sure that you have like a business. Like think of it as a business, right? A book is a business. So what's your plan for this book? What's the idea? What's the execution? Why you- why are you necessarily the best person to write this book? Thinking about all of these things before thinking about, okay, now how do I get in the right hands? How do I get that deal? Um, the, all of that has to work before anyone's going to take a look at your idea. They have to be interested in all of the, the planning and who you are and the platform and the idea. So working on that is, is critical. And spending even a year to do that, if you feel mm-hmm. like you're not in the right place, working on that. It's like, you know, you want to buy a house and your credit score isn't where it needs to be. You got to spend the time to work on your credit to be eligible for that mortgage. So to be eligible for a book deal, you want to work on your brand, on your idea, and really get it... uh, uh, to a point where you feel confident speaking about it because you got to get a, the elevator pitch ready. We talk about all of this in the workshop. And I'd love to work with you, Sugely, if you're really interested. I'd love to learn more about you. So go to booktobrand.co.
1: April, when's your book coming out? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'll be going to book to brand. <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk about that. <laughs> but no, I that, I mean, you make a good point. And as there's so much out there, and like when we went to FinCon, you're like, oh my gosh, there's like, Thousands of people writing and all talking about this, and there is so much out there. And really, just figuring out what can be, you know, your interesting point of view. I like how you said that. There's nothing new under the sun. You don't have to come up with the new way to budget or anything like that. But (laughs) what's your I think what's your twist on it? How why would people read what? Well, I like your idea of
0: budgeting as a business. Mm-hmm. right or, or what was it what's a business well retirement Your, retirement, retirement sorry retirement yeah, as a business that's a, a business. that's a new way to think about it really <laughs> and you're the ceo right and you're the ceo <laughs> and you have to come up with a plan and mm-hmm. um yeah i like that april i don't know maybe something there <laughs> maybe something there yeah we'll see <laughs>
1: see what we can come up with all right no, that's but-
0: that's yeah. time for us. I want to just thank you, April, so much for coming on the show. Tell us how we can find you, not just your website, but all over social
1: and and the web. Okay. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, Farnoosh. And as you said, April with a Y. So April Pope uh, at aprilpopefinancial.com. You can find me on Twitter at moneycoachpope. I'm also on LinkedIn, April Pope. So just remember it's April with a Y and you'll be able to find me pretty easily
0: all right april thank you so much and thanks to our listeners for their questions if you have any questions for me you know how to reach me right go to somoneypodcast.com click on ask farnoosh and there you'll be prompted to leave your question either a text message or a voicemail i love hearing your voice and also there let me know if you want a co-host as you know that's how this happened right april yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Found you <at> <laughs> I read and yeah, I mean, I read those uh those notes, so uh please let me know and everyone have a great great rest of your day and hope your weekend is so money.